Welcome back, everyone, to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations can begin. Today, I am joined in studio by our good friend, Blake Hugley. But for the first time ever, a phone interview with Pastor Marcus Donaldson. Marcus, how did we get into this situation this morning? Well, you know, I'm very rigid in my scheduling and my time management and organization. And I completely forgot that we were recording on Wednesday and not Tuesday. So, you know, I'm just crushing the game out here. Uh, I'll take some partial blame for that as well because, uh, you know, I didn't text a reminder either. So we can we can both take some blame on that. Yeah, you know, you always need mom to remind you to put your coat on before you leave or, you know, pack your lunch. That's yeah. it. Yeah, but hey, I'm, I'm, I'm an excited. Adult. I'm excited for, for this. It's going to be a good opportunity. We just don't get to see your beautiful face in studio today. Yeah, no one's ever said that. My mom doesn't even call my face <laughs> beautiful. All right. So, um, Blake, how, how are you doing? How are you doing on the second time on the podcast here Se- with us? Second time on the podcast, and uh, I think we're ready to go, man. Sweet. Uh, it's good Good to be here. Right. All right. So, week two in Romans, uh, we finished through verse 7 uh, Marcus, why don't you give us a quick recap of that sermon? Yeah, so we took our first stab at verses 1 through 7 the week before last, and um, we didn't make it much further than verse 1. Actually, that's exactly where we ended. And it's not a failure or anything else. We just want to spend time in these first 17 verses really kind of understanding everything that that Paul is writing because not only do the first seven, but the first 17 really help us understand the remainder of the letter. So uh, we wanted to, we wanted to slow down. We saw in verse one that Paul said that he was a servant or a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was called to be an apostle by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was set apart for the gospel of God. And then in uh, really in verses two, all the way to, like, uh, Verse five, right? So two, three, and four. He begins to unpack uh, the gospel that he's going to go go on to explain, and then in five through seven, we see not only that this gospel is a call to faith, but it's also a call to service. Um, and then six and seven, he greets the uh, his readers, the Christians living in Rome. That's great. Um, yeah, Blake, what about you? What were some of your takeaways and notes from Sunday's message? Yeah, so um, I think Marcus hit the nail on the head when he was talking about um, breaking it down. As Actually, as we were doing the sermon prep, uh, he went through uh, four to five different key points, and me and Josh were actually just speaking of this previously. So the first, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Marcus, but it's it's the promise of the gospel we see the person yep. of the gospel yep. that we see, uh, the provision of the gospel, um, the task of the gospel, and then the last one would be um, the privilege of the gospel. Um, and and in that, each verse by verse is stating those specific things, the, the promise, the person, the provision, the task, and the privilege. Um, but there, there was one, and, and obviously when, when we look at um, Romans 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, um, what we see is he's already pointing it to Jesus. It's all about Jesus, right? 
that's the gospel in itself is to fulfill uh, fulfill the work um, that God had planned by sending his son to die um, so that we could uh, be reconciled to God because we're lost and broken sinners. Um, but what we see in here is not only um, that we're lost and broken and we get reconciled, but there's actually a task. And I believe Marcus used the analogy of a baseball roster. And I, I found it funny because growing up I played baseball and I just loved how he used it. You know, you don't just have uh, one person. Like, there's no bench warmers. You go out and you play. Um, and when he said, you know, that the roster is active and everybody plays a role in the, ro- in the roster, um, it was really – it was good to hear that because it's like, wait a minute, man. Like, there's multiple different people on this roster, but, but they're all serving the same purpose, uh, to play and to do the task, right, to win the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's one thing that I took away um, from the ser- sermon on uh, Sunday, which was really good. Um, and then he, he talked about um, saints, meaning hagios, uh, to be set apart and to be made holy by the Lord. Um, and in the purpose of, of this task, that's the, the end goal, is for us to be set apart and be made holy, to be made into the image of his son. And he's kind of going in going into this. Um, as, as we go deeper into Romans, which we're not there now, He'll, he'll speak more on this and what that looks like as we go further into the book. That's good. Yeah, so Marcus, I guess we can start with just, you were talking in your message about um, the difference between, you know, our focus on bad news versus good news. And, you know, this this idea of the gospel literally means good news. But you're, you're talking about how our culture just hyper-focuses on on the bad news like why would you say that is and like why do you think um you know people need to be constantly reminded of the good news um as opposed to bad news well i don't think that i'm read enough or studied enough or um experienced enough to know why we are attracted to god or to bad news but what i do know is that we generally speaking as humans are attracted to bad news. That's why uh, media outlets, news outlets, whether you get it on your phone, tablet, read the newspaper, watch it on TV, that's why these um, outlets, they they headline bad news or negative news stories because we are so attracted to it. The gospel is, uh, like you said, it's that word euangelion, and it, it literally means good news, glad tidings, or a good story. And historically, um, messengers of the king, they would go out there and they would announce a gospel. They would proclaim a gospel. And then we, we just need to understand, like, the secular use of that term. Um, you know, they're not going out there preaching the message of salvation that, that comes through Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sin. But they were out there proclaiming, Hey, the son had a child. The son was victorious in battle. And this was known as a gospel, good news. And so Paul ends there in verse 1 with saying that he was called to the, the gospel of God, right? As an apostle to the gospel of God. The good news of God, that Jesus Christ, God's eternal and sinless son, uh, came and died so that all who believe in him would uh, would be saved, right? He, he died and he rose again so that by faith, all who trust in him would be forgiven of their sin and eternally saved. 
uh, from his wrath. So, anyways, I don't know why we're so attracted to the bad news, but the good news is is that Jesus saves. Amen to that. Yeah, amen. And yeah, I mean, you know, we see we saw at the end of verse one there that he is set apart for the gospel of God, and then we see just a succession of like I don't know, fifteen to twenty you know, prepositional phrases after that, which is connecting back to this gospel of God. And I think this whole, this whole part, you know, the first seven verses is all uh, one sentence and it's all talking about one idea. So, you know, and we talked last week about how this was a new uh, people, a new church that Paul was writing to and like he had never been there before. So like he's, he's seeing it more necessary to just lay out the good news of the gospel you know, which was promised beforehand. So I guess we can just jump into to that part about the the promise of the gospel. And, you know, it, it may not really affect us as deeply as it affected people back then because we're not really a people that bases things off prophecy anymore. And we, you know, we just get our news each and every day. We get the, you know, meteorologist telling us the weather. We like, and we just do what we do for each day. Like we're not really you know, having prophecies about years and years in the future, but for the people, the people of God, the Israelites back then, the Jews, and um, even like um, the Greeks, like the prophecy was very big in that culture. And for the fact that, you know, this person of Jesus was proclaimed about hundreds, thousands of years prior to was, and, and then was finally fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Like it was a fulfillment of this promise that, that gave it power and I think we kind of lose that that emphasis for us when it's like, oh yeah, we we see it, you know, talked about in the Old Testament, but then we can flip a few pages, and it's there in the New Testament. But we don't really realize that there are hundreds and thousands of years that we're flipping when we're flipping pages. Yeah, I would um, I would say yeah, like universally, we are certainly not geared towards leaning on prophecy, uh, you know, worldwide, like the global society. But as Christians, we are still looking for the prophetic fulfillment of Jesus's return um, and several other end time prophecies. But yeah, I mean, we, we certainly, I guess, lose focus on those things when we're so distracted by all the seemingly pressing bad news that, it fills our feeds and everything else instead of reminding ourselves the good news and the prophecy um, that we're still waiting to be fulfilled. The biggest one and maybe most general just being Jesus's return. But, um, you know, this, the, the promise of the Messiah, it, it covers old Testament prophecy. Um, And there were serious ramifications for speaking falsely or, or, prophesying falsely so you know like you'd be stoned if you were a false prophet there was no room for getting the weather wrong as it were um but with with jesus with the messiah being promised in the old testament and paul connecting it here we can see that christianity was not and and is not a new religion it's the completion or the fulfillment of judaism a very old religion yeah um and so what we tried to, I guess, really understand is that Paul, during his ministry, he was frequently accused of preaching against Moses in the Old Testament. So if we're talking about 
you know, drawing a line in the sand, Paul saying like, guys, you know, here are all these attacks that, you know, I've been covered or have, I've been re- repeatedly um, attacked with, but here's the reality. I'm not preaching against Moses and the law in the Old Testament and the rest of the prophets. They, they prophesied of this coming Messiah as well, this um, Redeemer um, who would come. And then we also drew our attention to the fact that that because it was promised in the Old Testament, because it was fulfilled, we should have every reason to recognize that God is reliable, that he's faithful, and that he can be trusted with, you know, those the promises that we see in the New Testament. And we can, you know, we could probably go and survey all of them. We, we don't have enough time on this podcast, but, but we can trust those promises. We can rely on those uh, promises and we can um, recognize God's faithfulness because he's a faithful God who does what he says that he'll do. Yeah, I think, um, I think you're right on that, Marcus, you know, uh, going into verse three, uh, right after he talks about um, being promised beforehand through the prophets and the Holy scriptures. And we can see all those, uh, all those prophecies throughout uh, the Old Testament. Um, Isaiah really hits hard on a lot of them. Um, f- chapter 53 being a really key point, almost like the pinnacle of prophecy yep. uh, when we see yep. what happens to Christ. And um, you actually, let me see if I can pull it up here. Uh, you talked about the Jews. Uh, the Jews, the, you know, they almost like lost hope in God's promise. And and I think essentially it was because they... It, not essentially, but they were looking at it according to the flesh. They weren't looking at it um, according to the spirit at that at that time. They were they were seeing it because if we think back, right, like they're they're thinking a victorious king coming uh, to redeem them, right? A, a victorious king that's going to come and redeem them. And like we have this envisioned in our mind, like you, you think David when he defeats Goliath, right? But what we ultimately seen is we seen Jesus come. Um, and he suffered a gruesome, horrible death, right, uh, by the hands of sinners. Uh, but that was God's will to be for for the, all the wrath to be poured on Jesus, um, and because he is the only atoning sacrifice for sin. So I think the Jews missed it there, and and um, and then the the Gentiles. I think you said the Gentiles they seek after signs, right? So um, we see that God is fully man, or Jesus is fully man and fully God, right? Um, and he says here in verse three concerning his son, who is descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So we know that he, he came from the from the seed of David, uh, but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so he was an imputed sin, and that's how we know he's fully right. God, right? So. Fully God, fully man, and I think this is critical for us to understand how it worked, right? How, how does all of this work? Um, that he still suffered the same temptations. He suffered all the same things that we suffer, yet never, never gave him to sin. And the scriptures say mm-hmm. that even he who knew no sin became sin, that we might live to the righteousness of God. So um, that's huge right there. Like, I think that's one part that we cannot miss um, when we're reading through this. And then he also goes on, and I kind of jumped ahead earlier, 
when he says, through whom we've received grace and apostleship to bring out the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. And so Paul addresses what he's called to in that, but not also what he's called to, but also others, because he says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So he's addressing the task at hand because of the finished work that Christ did on the cross. Yeah, I mean, and I, it takes me back to what you were saying, Marcus, about um, you know Luke twenty four when he's on the road to Emmaus with the his disciples, and you know it's in verse twenty one it says, but we but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, and like what you're saying, Blake, about how like he just broke all those expectations, and how a crucified Messiah was a stumbling block both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Yeah. Like, is, how could this person who was crucified be the one that? you know, they're supposed to follow. But I mean, at, at the end of that story, you see Jesus' response is, you know, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And, you know, and, and maybe for us today, like it, it takes, you know, Jesus interpreting all things concerning himself before we, we gain that understanding. But like, we still have that promise fulfilled and we can see it fully in scripture of, you know, we can see how it was necessary that Christ suffered for us. Like you said, for like suffering for our sins, um, both, you know, and so he, he fulfills a prophecy, you know, and he was, um, the son of man according to the flesh, but he was also, um, the son of God in power through his resurrection. And we can see that in power. We can believe it effectually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll read this real quick. Isaiah 53. I know we don't have time to jump through all of it. Um, but when he's saying you've seen it, um, he's talking about the prophecy. Paul's talking about the prophecy. He came, he fulfilled the prophecy right here in verse three of Isaiah 53. It says clearly that he was despised and rejected by men and a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief and from one who men hid their faces from and just despised and rejected above all things. Like, right. He borrowed all of our sorrows, all of our grief. And he was stricken, struck down by God and afflicted is what he says. And I'm not going to go into reading all of it. um, But if you do read it, you'll see that everything in this chapter is relating to everything that happened to Christ. Um, through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, that he came um, in, in the likeness of a man, suffered, even though he never gave in to sin, he still suffered uh, the weight of sin, um, and and it pleased God for him to bear that that wrath because of his because he's perfect. He's perfect and he's holy, and he's the only way that we can walk and we can play the game today. I don't know if I like to call it a game, right? Like we're in the game, right? There's a task. There's a there's a goal, and the end goal is to carry out holiness and righteousness and be and changed and transformed in, uh, into the image that the Lord Jesus Christ desires us to, to fulfill, right? So I, I, think, I think ultimately when we see uh, the beginning of Romans 1, like when we first started reading it, um, even in sermon prep, I was like, uh, the beginning of it, you know, it was like it's kind of working you up for what's really to come, but we can't miss the beginning because it's like, oh, man, like I told Marcus that— Literally, he unpacked all of it right here in seven verses, just in the beginning, and uh, that I just I get I get to thinking about that, and it really just blows my mind. So again, it was the promise of the gospel, 
the person of the gospel, the provision of the gospel, the task of the gospel, and then the privilege of the gospel. And we see all that right there. Anything to add, Marcus? Uh, no. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't give you the side eye in, in the studio here to, the side, the side to pitch it to you, you know. Um, yeah, moving on here a little bit to, towards the provision because you're talking about, like, uh, Blake, like being in the game, like we all have that task. And it's, just, it's, it's powerful that the fact that before the task is even mentioned in, um, in Romans here, it, it gives us the provision of the gospel. It's like through Jesus Christ, through whom yeah. we have received grace and apostleship, to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. So we see the task there of bringing about obedience of faith for the sake of all the nations. But before that, we see that, that we have received grace. And in, in Paul's case and in the, the apostles case, they, they, they received apostleship through Jesus Christ. And I was actually uh, listening to a thing this morning talking about Galatians. Let me pull it up here about, um, the intro to Galatians has a very similar uh, emphasis on apostleship is it's Paul an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead. And like that right there, he's, he's establishing his authority up front to the people of Galatia. And, um, you know, he's saying again, like the apostleship comes through Jesus Christ alone. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's, He's telling everybody his office and um and what and what he's called to do. I agree a hundred percent with that. It's really good. And Marcus also, if I'm not mistaken, you used an analogy uh, or an acronym, I guess, if you will, um, uh, for grace. Uh, it was God's riches yeah. at Christ's expense. Um, yeah. So we can see the riches, we can see the provision, uh, and we can see the fullness of God working working in our lives at the expense of Christ and what he did. Um, and I just think that's so beautiful because it's like Paul, Paul also sums that up by saying, you've seen this previously in the, in the um, old Testament, right? In the prophets, you've seen him write it and, and it's been fulfilled. It's, it's been, it's, it's done. The work is finished. And so here we are now and we get to experience the fullness, right? Because of what Christ did. So I thought that um, acronym, if you will, was phenomenal. Oh, that was an acronym. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even know. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Grace. Come on, man. You gotta have Amen. Amen, preacher. <laughs> um, yeah, anything to add about like the implications for that, Marcus, of receiving the grace and apostleship there, like receiving the provision of the gospel before the task? Yeah, I mean, that, that through, through whom is important. Um, because Jesus is the, he's the conduit, he's the pipe, he's the, the person through whom all of this, this grace flows through. There's, uh, it's not through good works, it's not by salvation, right? Like, so the, so the implications of that, like, through whom? It's only through Christ alone. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Um, and so when we talk about grace as it relates to um, God's saving work, it's like 
it, it, we have received it through Christ. Received. You don't receive anything with a closed hand. You received it with an empty hand. Um, you don't work for it. You don't earn it. You don't bring anything to the table or else you are not receiving grace. You're completely passive in this equation. Um, it only comes through one person and it only comes through his work, his finished work on the cross. Um, and there's, there's no other way around it. But like we know, this is one of those, one of those, um, topics that is often debated. It's like, and it's a lot less debated than it has been historically, but it's still one that we need to contend for and contend with because even those who claim to be evangelical, even those who claim to be Christian, if they are, if they are suggesting any sort of works-based salvation or merit um, in any part of the equation, um, then there is no, like there is no room for that. The, the gospel and God's grace make, makes no provision for that. Um, and we're certainly not saved by good works, by uh, what we perceive that we can do for God or to God or whatever. Um, but we are saved for good works, right? We read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works or to good works. So good works are then the necessary consequence of genuinely being saved, genuinely receiving God's grace through Christ. Um, so it only comes through him and it's never earned. It's never merited. It's never deserved. It's always freely received. Yeah. And then kind of moving on toward like talking a little more about the task where it's, it's like to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. You know, it's, it's not just, you know, us focusing on ourselves with the obedience of faith, but it's like, we Mm -hmm. have that responsibility to, to share about Jesus like to the, to all the nations so that they would also uh, join in with obedience of faith where they they have Mm -hmm. the faith, they have received the grace and and their ministry as well. And then like they can continue to carry out that mission. But like, if we just have that mindset of like, Oh, I'm working on my obedience, I'm working on my, um, you know, personal holiness and purity. Well, then you're not actually being fully obedient because you're not continuing to take that and, bring about obedience in other people. Yeah. And that's where Blake at the beginning, he summarized it really well, you know, and we mentioned it on Sunday, but it's like, there are no bench warmers on God's team. It's like, yes, we are always to strive for holiness. We're always to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but that there's never a season where it excuses us to be a bench warmer, just a consumer, just a, uh, you know, a player who's not in the game. Like you, you're always wearing the jersey. You're always um, on the field. You're always going and, and making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. Like that's the that's the commission for every single Christian. There, there are no. I think that our um, 
that there are two extremes that we need to avoid in this, right? Like there's the unhealthy extreme of, of busyness, of busyness where you're just working yourself to death in ministry. And then there's the, the extreme of like laziness and apathy where you're more like a bench warmer, but in the middle, right? Whether you're in ministry as a profession, so vocational ministry or whether you're a, a lay person in the church, like the commission is the same, no matter if you're at home or abroad, the mission is the same. There's a, um, a pretty, I don't remember who says it exactly, but something that I think of often, this guy, he was talking about, you know, sharing the gospel at the workplace. And he says that I'm a Christian cleverly disguised as a businessman. So for each of us, you know, like Blake, I don't know what your official title is, but Blake is a Christian cleverly disguised as a machinist. Yeah. You know, whether you're a realtor, you're a Christian cleverly disguised or disguised as a realtor, whatever it is, teach it. You're a Christian first. The commission never changes. You're always in the game. Yeah. And whatever you do to, to make money, to support your family, whatever the case is, you're a Christian first. Yep. Yeah, I think that's good, Marcus. Um, I think we should always, and like that, the task at hand, like when you were talking about, um, we can't like look at it as a workspace mentality the end of Ephesians where he talks about, you know, us being his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand um, and that we should walk in them. And that's what he's saying. Like we should walk in them. Like it's a daily thing of us pursuing, uh, praying, active, actively pursuing the Lord uh, because he desires for us to pursue him. Um, and when we, when we fall short, when we sin, we repent, we confess and uh, by the goodness of his grace, he convicts. Um, so a- as a Christian, even in the workplace, he'll convict, whether we're, um, uh, even if we're at the house and we do something wrong to our family members, he'll convict. So regardless of where we are and what we're doing, the first mentality should be, uh, w- what can I do today? Uh, how how can I share with somebody uh, the love of Christ that, that he's gave me, right? Like, what can I do? Like when I go into work, as a machinist, like, yeah, it's cool to learn how to work on machines. But like, my first thing is, is like, who in here is broken and has a contrite heart, right? Like, that's like, who in here is broken and they're searching, man? Like, that's what I want to know, right? If I can find the person that's broken and that's searching, I know that's my task at hand. Then I want to talk to them and I want to ask them who their Lord and Savior is. Hey, and if they don't have one, uh, I'll tell them, I'll tell them about the good Lord Jesus Christ who saved me. Um, when I when I was living in sin, and uh, and I'll only pray and hope that God will do the same for them. And I think that that should be our task at hand is to constantly pursue people, um, and and to do that diligently, uh, not too pushy, uh, but but to also pray that the Lord will lead them to us. Because if we're on the roster and we're on the team, um, there's a good chance that we're probably going to be running the bases at some point, right? So like we're gonna we're gonna see. Uh, God actively working and actively moving. Um, and he's going to use us too uh, for that, you know, for his glory. So I think that you hit the nail on the head there. Marcus is like, regardless if I'm a machine operator or if um, John Doe, you know, builds boats for a living and he's a Christian and I'm a Christian, our first goal should be the great commission in that. 
Yeah. And the reality is we're surrounded by broken people. We were once and, you know, generally still are um, broken in some aspects. And, and we know if, if we are in Christ, then we know that the only true and meaningful and lasting fix to our brokenness, the, the only solution is faith in Christ. Yep. And so it's like, as I'm surrounded and approached by broken people, um, if I'm not focused on the gospel or um, fulfilling the Great Commission with the time that God has given me, well, then people are still going to come. And the first thing that's going to be on my lips is some worldly advice, some worldly wisdom, um, something that is temporary, a temporary fix. You know, you can... You can save a marriage through, you know, this or that. You can save uh, uh, somebody's finances through, you know, some budgeting work and training, stuff like that. You can save somebody's career through decision-making and stuff like But if they, if they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, none of that stuff matters. All of that stuff is secondary. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I just think that it, first we have to, like Blake said, just, stay focused on the great commission um, it, wherever we are among all the nations as grace extends further and further um, more and more places and people are praising God. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. We're, we're running out of time here a little bit, but any final thoughts or encouragements or anything from like the, the privilege, like in verse seven, the privilege of the gospel um, to, to leave the people with. Yeah. The, the privileges called to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and beloved by God, right? So called to belong, right? That we are, we are his sheep. Everyone in Christ is in his fold. Um, he leads, feeds, protects, oversees. He's the good shepherd um, who leads the sheep beside still waters, uh, comforts them with his rod and staff into green pastures. It's like, you don't get a better shepherd than that. Um, and then loved, loved by God. If, if you are loved by God, nothing else in the world, as pressing as it may be, as urgent as it may be, as threatening as it may be, um, it, it doesn't have the same effect. And I'm speaking from personal experience, um, mostly right now doesn't have the same effect that it did when I wasn't a believer. Um, so belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ has been obviously pretty life-changing for myself, um, but I think every Christian who is truly in Christ. Um, it doesn't mean that those things don't happen. There's no version of Christianity where it's all sunshine and rainbows. That's just an illusion. Um, it's false. It's social media Christianity. Yep. Real Christianity, it's hard. It's difficult. It doesn't avoid the pains and the problems of life, but it, it sees on the other side of this and really throughout it that God's hand is in it and that he'll deliver you from it in his time. And ultimately, um, you'll be with the one who bled and died for you in eternity. That's good. Yeah. Um, I think Mark has wrapped it up with that one, man. Yeah, I think sure. that that speaks that speaks enough right there. 
Only those who've received salvation can truly be called sons and daughters of, you know, of the Lord. And, um, I think above all things, Marcus, you're right. We can't, um, if, if we work on all these things in life that might help us with life things, if we don't have first salvation, then it's all, it's all kind of pointless and meaningless. So, yeah. um, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more there, man. That's awesome. No, that's great. Well, thank you both for joining the podcast, whether you were, uh, you know, in studio <laughs> or out of studio today. Um, but this opens up, um, a ton of new possibilities and like, think of all the people we could call and have on the podcast now. And yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Glad we found this feature through the, through the soundboard this morning, but listener, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you're blessed by this conversation. Uh, you can reach us at city church in Gainesville at 10 AM on Sundays and then 6 PM, um, starting with the meal. Um, and then followed by discipleship on Wednesday nights. Um, but yes, thank you again, listener. Until next time. Oh.